This episode of the Growth Enabling Madness podcast is sponsored by GNW Equipment Incorporated. GNW is a locally owned and operated lift truck and material handling company in the Carolinas and Georgia. Their customers turn to them for their solutions-based approach to take warehouse efficiency and productivity to new levels. As interest in workplace automation continues to grow, GNW is ready to help. Offering the most technology-advanced brands like Young Heinrich and Rokla, they have the automated forklift and modular AGV design that's right for you. To learn more about GNW equipment, go to gwequip.com. That's gwequip.com. Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness podcast, where we're mad about growth. Today's guest we have from HubSpot, and his name is Kyle Jepson. Kyle, hey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Before I do that, though, I should have introduced my other guests. What the hell's the matter with me? I feel like I haven't been doing this for a while, but I'm going to continue to go. And we have our co-host, Sarah Reed, as well as our engineering director, Connor O'Keefe. But you know what? Now it's, it's your turn, Kyle, to tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Sure. I'm Kyle. I am an evangelist at HubSpot Academy. I'm the first evangelist at HubSpot Academy. And I can do my best to explain what that means, but I'm figuring it out for myself. <laughs> Geez, that seems like something that you guys do at HubSpot quite well. You figure it out and then you process it, perhaps. Tell me more. What What is a an evangelist? You were an inbound sales professor, and I'm going to tell you a story about Dharmesh Shah after that. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so I joined HubSpot originally as a support rep when the CRM was brand new, but I very quickly moved over to the academy team because they decided they wanted to make education around the CRM, and none of them had ever used it before. It's a brand new product. And so I made that move and for, I don't know, however many years it is from early 2016 to late 2020, that's what I did. I made education about HubSpot sales tools and by extension, top people, basic sales strategy stuff. But then end of 2020, I think mostly to amuse myself as I was working from home for the first time in my life, I started making short LinkedIn videos, just HubSpot tips and tricks is what I called them. And like, here are some things you might not know about HubSpot. We're talking a minute or less of me just saying, hey, did you know HubSpot can do this? And then a quick recording and people liked it. And I liked it too, because HubSpot Academy, we produce these incredible online courses. If you've never taken one, you should check them out. They're totally free, but they take us a long time to produce. They are scripted very meticulously. They have beautiful visuals. They're recorded and then edited and then translated into multiple languages. And it takes months to get one of these out the door. And I just found it so freeing to just hit record on my webcam and be like, here's a quick thing about HubSpot and then ship it onto the internet, you know? And so I started doing that on a daily basis and started getting a pretty good following and then started getting an even bigger following. And then my boss was like, what if we make this your job? And oh. that was such a delightful question to be asked. And so they came up with this title of evangelist because I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm evangelizing HubSpot. Yep. But I'm not a salesperson. I'm talking primarily to to partners and customers who already use HubSpot on a daily basis and are just looking to get the most out of it. And it's been so fun to just 
send little tidbits out and get people's feedback. And the product team now looks to me like, ooh, we released this product. Can you let people know and, and tell us what they think? And then I get the comments like, hey, people are confused on this or people love this or people hate this or people were really hoping what we'd, you would actually ship is this. And so I've just become like this bridge between what HubSpot is developing, which we release products at a breakneck pace, and then how HubSpot customers are responding to that. Well, so Kyle, you're also an influencer then, I would say. I guess so. You're an evangelist <laughs> influencer. Before we go on too much further, I want to tell you a little story about Darmesh uh, yeah. Shaw. It was back in 2008. I, what year did the company start? 2006, yeah. I think. Yeah, so it was still early-ish on, and we had just read, or I had just read Inbound Marketing, and had a young crew. And I said, you know what, let's try to get Darmesh into a speaking engagement. And so we invited him to an engagement. He was one of the speakers. He was the he was the number one speaker for sure, right? And he drew big time. I think we had 235 people show up for breakfast that day. Wow. And of course, <laughs> Darmesh is a uh, comical guy, dry, comical guy. He's really funny, yet quiet at the same time is what I found. But we had a great time at that. And that was our beginning story with Darmesh and learning about HubSpot and watching you guys along the way. Well, speaking of comedy. Kyle, I was on your checking out your LinkedIn as one does when uh -oh. you get introduced to a new person. And I noticed that you were part of the humor you stand up comedy club. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that and how that experience maybe plays into your professional role now. Sure. Yeah. When I was in college, I was at BYU in Utah and they had a stand up comedy club. It was an auditioned student organization. And there was a girl I wanted to impress. And so I auditioned <laughs> and I did not get into the club. It was terrible. What I learned uh, was that stand-up is actually really hard. Even if you're the kind of person who can like tell a joke okay at a social gathering, getting up on stage and just speaking for three or five or 20 minutes or an hour, what some of these people do, and to be funny consistently for a majority of the audience every step of the way, it's just, it's hard. And so things never worked out between me and that girl. But oh, that's I, too bad. Uh, you didn't get into the group and you didn't get the girl. Is that what that, I just Yeah, it was, it was a very dark oh, day gosh. in the life of Kyle Justin. But yeah. it set me on a path of glory because from that time, I started researching stand-up comedy. I would watch sets. I would kind of analyze what did people laugh at, what they know. I, I sort of started getting ideas about like what the structure of a comedy set actually is. It's not necessarily just a string of unrelated jokes. And I put together a set that I felt really proud of. So I auditioned for the group again. And that time I got in. And my first performance with them, it was a weekend of shows. We did, I think, three of them over the course of the weekend. And one night I was up there performing and I was just on. I was interacting. Like, Honestly, that was my first performance. I was in the group for a couple of years after that. I don't know if I ever had a performance better than that one. And that one really mattered because when the show was over. You got the girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I jumped ahead. Actually, I'm so... No. Uh, we, uh, yes. So the <laughs> in the theater we were in, in the performing arts building, we left like a little three by five cards, just a stack of them on a table by the exit. And we told everyone, give us feedback on the show. Jokes you like, jokes you didn't like, performers you like, performers you didn't like. And we got a card that said, Kyle Jepson, will you marry me? XOXO Heart Katie and a phone number. And, uh, you know, just silly college kids being silly college kids. But I called her and we met up for drinks at a Jamba Juice. And now we're married. And we have oh four kids. Oh, my God. And, well, that's uh, a wonderful that's story. story. So that's... Uh, <laughs> The uh, hell? Why are we even talking about HubSpot? Let's just continue. <laughs> no, because he's going to bring it back, how you're using that experience. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, so <laughs> bring I it have, full uh, <laughs> you know, once you get 
uh, a spouse out of a performance. There's, there's not very many times you can repeat that or top it. But I think that that experience of researching comedy and like understanding a form and understanding what people want. And so the thing that's really great and terrible, but really great about stand-up comedy is as you develop it, it is purely based on immediate feedback, right? You're up on stage in front of a group, you tell a joke, you know right away if it landed or not, right? And you just file that away. And the next time you perform, you just hold on to the ones that were good and you get rid of the ones that were bad. And I feel like very much it's a similar motion. I never thought to connect the two. But the way I approach being a professor at HubSpot Academy, especially what I do now as an evangelist, is so much driven by like, can I create content that people actually like? And now I'm not necessarily going for laughs. Mostly what my goal is, is to get people to leave LinkedIn and to go back into HubSpot, right? Don't tell LinkedIn I said that, but every one of my posts has a link directly into HubSpot to the feature I'm demonstrating. And I want people who are just like taking a brain break from work and scrolling through all the feed of whatever, so-and-so got a new job and see like this crazy guy jumping up and down in an orange hat and be like, what's this guy talking about? Like, whoa, HubSpot can do that? I'm going to go try it right now, right? right? And so, yeah. By the way, LinkedIn's our sponsor. Um, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is not our sponsor. <laughs> so well, that's a great story, man. I love it. A lot of you HubSpotters have great stories. Let's talk a little bit about the business itself. How does HubSpot help businesses automate today and streamline marketing, sales, customer service processes? And how are they doing that with a mindset towards growth and scalability for the company? Yeah. So I think what kind of the heart of HubSpot's value proposition, first of all, we're focused very much on small and mid-sized businesses. If you are Boeing, Boeing, if you're listening, we don't really care about you. You can go achieve your goals without us. Where our heart is, is we want to help the little like airline startup beat Boeing, right? Like uh, we want to yeah. help the growth minded, the ambitious, smaller companies, the ones that are either just starting out or have been small for a long time and just want to have an outsized impact. We want to help them compete against the bigger guys. And early on, that was like, hey, here are some tricks you can do to get found on Google, right? And right. now we've grown into a full marketing, sales, customer service platform, and it's all one unified database, right? So often what companies do when they want to grow is they go out and get the best marketing tool they can find, and they go out and get the best sales tools they can find, and they go out and get the best service tools they can find, and then they, they hire an IT specialist to like try to connect all the wires together, and different teams are working in different places, and automation is really hard because it has to pass through so many different systems. HubSpot is just one a single crafted code base, and when a salesperson or a marketer or a customer support rep is looking at a customer record, they're all looking at the exact same customer record, even though they're interacting with it in different ways. And we just try to streamline it and make it so that as you scale up from wherever you are, right, as those processes, as those teams get bigger, normally they start to stretch and you notice all the flaws, right? But if you have this, hopefully, if you have this fully scalable platform, you're going to get where you're going and it's just going to be smooth, right? If you want something in marketing to kick off something that affects the sales team or something that kicks off a process on the customer success side, it's all in one platform and it all works together. I've had this impression, but confirm if I'm right or wrong. Is HubSpot, you know, CRM, obviously marketing and serve. Is it called serve? Did I get that right? Service, HubSpot, yeah. Service. Are they all organically built or did you they acquire? Are, yeah. 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 So it was nothing that was acquired and then plugged in. It's an organic built. Platform. Right. That is one thing that makes us very different from a lot of other platforms like ours. We have primarily built organically from our own teams. We have done a few, well, like we just bought Clearbit, right? And like somehow Clearbit magic will get put into the HubSpot platform. I don't know what that'll look like, but we'll do it, right? 
Previously, we acquired a company called PySync, which did two-way real-time data synchronization. And we now have DataSync. It was built by that same team, but it was, it was crafted inside the HubSpot code to do that job natively. So yeah, there's never a time where you will navigate to a part of HubSpot and be like, oh, now, now the colors are magenta instead of yellow because it's a different platform that has just been plugged in, right? It was all built. I think that's an important note for HubSpot that it's one of the companies out there that it's pure organically built. I think that's pretty cool. Based on your experience, if you had to pick one thing, and this is the thing I talk about a lot in our business, even for our own business and for our clients. We look for provide technologies that help them grow and scale, right? And to me, that means that we're allowing the technology to do a lot of work that doesn't require us to have to hire at every corner of growth. So the concept is you should be able to become more profitable. You should be able to scale without having to hire human capital all the time. If there was one thing that you would point to in the HubSpot platform, what would it be that really lends itself to growth and scale? Yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned I started on a support team when the CRM, right? Before that, HubSpot was just a marketing tool. And then we launched a CRM and they built, they hired this support team just for that. And I was there. And something, even in those very early days, when our CRM did very few things and had like two sales tools connected to it, the thing that was really different about how we started from the beginning is we were building tools for the reps. So often a CRM is primarily for the management team, right? We're going to give you reporting. And the reps, as long as they use it, you're going to get great reports, right? And for a while, we didn't even have reports, right? It was just like, reps, we want to give you tools that'll help you go faster. And I think that's been our mindset as we've built all our tools. The end user, we want to give them a really pleasant experience. We don't want them to feel like they're using some enterprise software that was built by a company founded in 95, right? We want them to feel like they're using a social media platform or Gmail or one of these very B2C sort of platforms. And so what you get from that is adoption, right? Like your marketers are going to hopefully enjoy using HubSpot. They're going to feel like it's, it's empowering them to do things they couldn't do before. Your sales team is going to enjoy using HubSpot because it helps them go faster and work smarter and, and hit their goals. And same with the service team, right? Like this idea that no matter how powerful your tools are, if you can't get your team to actually use them, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? No matter how much horsepower is under the hood, if people won't get in and turn the ignition on, you're not going anywhere, right? And I think HubSpot has really focused on that end user experience, having a nice interface that is easy to use and that performs well and is reliable so that sales reps who are famously cantankerous about being forced to adopt anything and I'm going to I'm going to track my contacts how I want to track them not the boss <laughs> right. are suddenly like wow actually this helps me do my job and I like it <laughs> and so they're in there right and because of that then management gets their reporting because all the data is in there so we can report on it but I think that adoption piece is really something that's eh, I was going to say easy to overlook but I think it's more that people tend to downplay it they assume like oh we're moving to a new system Everyone's going to hate it, but they're just going to have to deal, right? Because in the end, it's going to be better. We don't want people to hate HubSpot, right? We don't want them to resent the fact that they have to use it. I want everyone who uses HubSpot to be pleasantly surprised that, oh, this is nice. This makes my life better. And so I think that's a big piece of how we help. Well, sort of in line with that, you're a HubSpot Academy expert. In your opinion, the most overlooked tool HubSpot users have at their disposal and, and how can they be maybe better at using it? Then maybe something's being overlooked. What would it be? Yeah, so I thought about this a lot, but then just this morning, I was having a conversation with someone who was talking to me about how much they like using HubSpot's mobile app. 
And I think this is maybe something a lot of people overlook. HubSpot, it's web-based. You can access it on your browser, on your desktop, or on whatever device. But we do have a dedicated mobile app that is actually pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't always good, but it's gotten to be really good. It has a few little delightful features. One is, in addition to the app, there's a, it's called the HubSpot keyboard. And on your phone, you have a keyboard that's numbers and letters that you use all the time. But you can then switch to the HubSpot keyboard and like, say you're in a text message with someone or in WhatsApp or on social media talking with them, you can pull up a templated message or you can pull up a link to a quote you generated for them and just put it on your clipboard and paste it into whatever non-HubSpot app you're using, right? And so like you want to send your email from your native email app or you want to talk to someone over a text message or send them a DM on LinkedIn, do it and still use your HubSpot stuff, right? And so this idea of HubSpot just being present with you where you are, I think is very powerful. I think people have kind of forgotten about mobile apps and how important they are and how much time we spend on them. So that's a great suggestion. You talked a little bit earlier about, you know, Boeing, big company, you're working with more growth enabled companies, perhaps smaller. What is the ideal customer profile for a HubSpot user? How big's the company? What do you look at typically? Yeah, I think the standard answer we give, it's very tidy and clean, is we love companies that are between like 200 and 2,000 employees and want to want to grow. But we've honestly, I think we're focusing a lot. It's interesting to me, even though we've said that publicly a lot, as I look at new features coming out and as I, I look at things we're planning for this year, I think you're going to see us actually really try to own the smaller than that space. If you are a two-person company and you are oh. interested in growing, HubSpot has tools for you, right? Like we're investing a lot in our free tools and we have our cheapest paid tool a tier is called Starter. And we're really kind of sweetening that spot to make it a lot of times if you start a free tool or the cheapest version, it just like upgrade points everywhere, right? Like clearly <laughs> they just tricked me into coming here so they could get me to pay more money for the features they actually want. And I think HubSpot right. at times has sort of fallen into the trap, but I think we're fixing it. And I think we're we're trying to make a really great starter product that can go head to head with a lot of lightweight, inexpensive point solutions, but is this full CRM platform. And so I'm very interested to see how that plays out. HubSpot is always, from the beginning, we said we're, we're focused on the smaller and mid-sized businesses. And we've done a lot in the last couple of years to, to kind of expand that definition of mid-size up from like 500 employees to like 1,000. And now, like I said, toward that 2,000 mark. But I think I'm pretty impressed with how HubSpot is trying to keep an eye on those smaller companies too and say like, no, 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 we're not leaving you behind. We're just trying to expand the reach of, of people we can help and ensure that you have a platform you will not grow out of, right? right if you're a right. five person company today, but you know, five years from now, you're gonna be 1800 people. We're gonna be with you on that whole journey. There's never gonna be a point where you're like, thanks HubSpot, you got me this far, now I gotta go somewhere else. And so I think it's really interesting to see how that ICP is evolving. I think that's important because that was your bread and butter, the small companies. I do see you moving more into the mid-market space making the uh, product more mid-market sort of like with yeah. uh, certain features, functionality, all those things, but not giving up on the user adoption, which to your point, I think user adoption is the number one reason for CRM failure. So if people sure. like yeah. the experience and it's helping them, then they'll stay in it. So, but, you know, I also think about, I think today Salesforce, I hate, I'm sure you don't mind me bringing it up, but salesforce.com is a big monster in the uh, in the marketplace, well-branded. And I would say you guys now, though, are the other big player in the marketplace. You've really come a long way. And so with that in mind, what differentiates you from Salesforce, would you say? Yeah, so it's a lot of stuff we've already touched on. Salesforce, 
like I have nothing but nice things to say about Salesforce. They define this space that we're playing in, right? They right. like the idea of a cloud-based software and whatever year they launched, like, wow, visionary, right? They changed the game entirely and they're still doing great things. There are plenty of people that feel Salesforce is better than HubSpot and like they are welcome to that opinion, but Salesforce's strategy, which so many people have replicated because it's worked so well for them, is that model of acquisition, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we need a tool that does this, we'll go buy them. And we need a tool that does that, great, we'll do this. And you start to get this sort of cobbled experience. Not all parts of it feel the same, not all of them work the same, not all of them talk necessarily very well with each other. Whereas HubSpot, we've built it all from scratch, from the ground up. Yeah, and right. so when Salesforce wants to move into a new space, offer a new feature set, they go buy a company that's maybe the best in the world at that, they pull ahead of us, right? It takes us time to write that code and get it right. But then we have this seamlessly crafted, perfectly streamlined, fun to use kind of platform. And they, the sense I get is that there's a lot of screws that they constantly need to be tightening and then wires they need to be welding together. And so, I mean, I think probably for the foreseeable future, there will continue to be things that Salesforce does that HubSpot doesn't, but I think we'll catch up on all those. Perhaps it will always be the case that Salesforce will be the platform to go to for the really big enterprises, right? Like Boeing, I mentioned, or if you're Microsoft, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's not where our heart is. We're not designing for those companies. But I assume, you know, any decision makers listening to this podcast probably aren't at those companies. They're probably in the mid-market somewhere, or they may be starting their own company, or they may have a small business, and you have our hearts and our focus and our attention we're really trying to build a platform that can help you scale as far as you want to go. That brings me to another, you know, like your CMS platform, you know, for website building. How easy is it for somebody who's a newbie coming in and wants to build a website? I think it's pretty great. So I am a person with no website design experience. And because I have it hardwired into my head for some reason that building a website is hard, right? Oh, I'm going to have to write some CSS and I don't know any CSS. Anytime it makes sense for me to make a video about HubSpot CMS, I shudder because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm bad at website design. I'm the wrong person to make this video. And then I go and get in. I'm like, actually, even for me, this is really easy, right? Like we, we choose a template. Template is beautiful, right? I just pick the one. I like the way it looks. And then like it's editable in line, right? And I can, if I want a new element, if I'm adding a picture to this, I can just grab the picture thing and drag and drop it. And now I got a picture there, right? And my design skills are still pretty terrible. No one should hire me to make a website. <laughs> Honestly, they should just go get HubSpot and build it themselves. But I would say as far as ease of use for a newbie, it's pretty good. I haven't ever used, I'll be transparent with you, I've never used like Wix, right? I don't right. know what that experience is like. But the advantage you get from building on HubSpot is that CRM is there in the background, right? And if you grow to a state that you want to like be personalizing things based on your CRM content or like routing people like forms, you know, are embedded on your website and that content, you know, that those submissions come in and they're going to live right in your CRM so your sales team can follow up with them. Like that's really powerful, right? And so- I think that combination of CMS and CRM, which really are two very different categories, <laughs> but yeah, to no, have them is. in a single spot, I think is incredibly powerful. No, I think it's brilliant, actually. And, you know, keeping that sort of line of discussion, we've got people, let's say, coming into HubSpot that aren't as big as certain other, the Boeings of the world. So there's certain things that you need to be able to do for them in growing their business. You know, in terms of business growth, how does HubSpot support lead generation and nurturing, for example, for that person who has maybe designed their website with HubSpot, 
They now have CRM at their disposal. How do you support the lead generation and the nurturing process? Yeah, so a few different ways. You build that website, and it's a HubSpot website, and you put a form on it, it's a HubSpot form, and all those submissions go into your HubSpot contacts and companies database, right? Mm -hmm. And we have an automation tool called Workflows that works across all of HubSpot. And so as soon as that form submission comes in, you can take automated action. If you want to set up some sort of drip campaign and send marketing emails to this person, if it was a subscription form, great, you can do that. You want to route them to your sales team and assign some tasks so the sales team calls them and reaches out because it was a contact sales form. Great, you can do that, right? You want it to go into your ticket queue because this is a, a customer support form, like reporting a problem, and you want to assign it to a support rep who's going to troubleshoot it and get back to them. Great, you can do that too, right? Whatever piece you want it to connect to, you can connect it to because it's all living there inside of HubSpot. And then you can route it and automate it across these different systems. And it gets really powerful too because it works the other way too. Let's say you have a form that has kind of a lot of fields on it, right? There's a lot of information you want to collect for whatever reason. But the person filling out has submitted other forms. You know their name. You know where they're located. You know their industry. You can start pre-populating and hiding those fields. And so now they only have to answer three questions instead of 12, right? I see. And so you can start offering these dynamic experiences that help your customers get the answers or the help or the whatever action they're hoping you'll take faster with less effort on their side. And then on the other side, your team is getting the full rich information they want in the first place so they can actually provide that service. Would you consider it low code, no code? Aside from integrating to other systems and things sure. of that nature. But... All of the parts of HubSpot I use and demonstrate are strictly no code. I'm not okay. a coder at all. I'm the wrong person. Right. But we have this, you know, full open API, right? If you want to integrate, you can do that. We have places like I mentioned, I don't know what CSS is, but if you love CSS and you love HTML, you get that template, you want to go into the code and adjust it, you can totally do that. There's a place you can access that backend and just write code to your your heart's content. We even, we're trying to make it nicer and nicer for developers all the time. You can do local development on your own machine, like stage it and before you post it on the internet and make the site live for everyone, right? And so it is, I think, as technical as you want it to be. I just, <laughs> I'll let the developers stick with that, right? I, I'm very much on the no-code, low-code side of the house. Gotcha. I have on my list of things to do, which is to get RevOps certified. So I've not done it. I started it. But how does HubSpot facilitate data-driven decision-making for business scaling up? Do they Are they using RevOps? Tell me a little bit about that. So kind of a, several different questions there. I, I guess so there was, anyone, wasn't there? Who's, Sarah, who's... that's your job to sort of straighten me out, and, but nope. Kyle has it. Yeah, so for anyone listening, uh, HubSpot Academy work, that's the educational side of HubSpot. Again, we make these free online courses. One of the ones I made, one of the last ones I made before I transitioned to my new role is called the Revenue Operations Certification or RevOps for short. And Revenue Operations is really all about this idea that kind of the standard model for a lot of companies is having these different operations teams, right? You have sales ops, certainly those people are powerful. They're deciding your sales process and tech and stuff. A really thoughtful company sometimes have a marketing ops team that's separate, right? And we're optimizing how we're distributing our marketing materials and how we're reporting on that and stuff. But really, I think for growth and scale, you need to bring those different operations folks together and talk about this full customer journey and when you're deploying people and what systems they're working out of to make that as smooth as possible. And RevOps is all about kind of zooming out and saying, we're not going to focus on individual functions first. We're going to focus on the customer and what they're trying to accomplish and figure out when these functions need to come in. And so that is the idea of RevOps. And we have this full course that teaches you how to do that. And then sort of silently in the background, 
we're whispering to you. And it's really, it's much easier to do this if you have one system that all those teams are working out of. Because, you know, if your marketing tech stack is over here and your sales tech stack is over here and your service tech stack is over there, uh, just getting the reporting and data out of each of those and then figuring out how to collate it and bring it all together is, is an enormous Herculean task, right? And so HubSpot as a platform, I think enables people to do RevOps in a way that's pretty nice. But if you are not thinking about operations in that way, I don't think there's a requirement to like go get certified by okay. HubSpot Academy on revenue operations before you can figure out how to set up HubSpot. But yeah. It would be part of the journey, right? Of, yeah. Uh, get it, yeah. But you know, you I, this is a big ask and I apologize in advance, but could you just get me the answers to the question so I can finish <laughs> the certification? <laughs> you and I are friends now, I believe. And Yeah, uh, no, honestly though, I will tell you that of all the certification examinations I've written, the RevOps one is the one I'm proudest of. Oh, so the request was real. <laughs> <laughs> so the project took a long time. It took months and months and we rebooted it several times because we were trying to, like this idea of revenue operations has been around for a while, but not very many people have really clearly defined it. And so we were working on that. And so we finally get it done. We know what the course covers. And now I'm just exhausted. I've been at it for like a year and I, it's time for me to write this examination. And so I start writing it and I have this team of editors at HubSpot Academy. They review all this stuff and they're always telling me like, Kyle, you're a little unhinged. We got to <laughs> reel this in. I don't, maybe they were tired of the project too. They, I have all these questions. They're all about hypothetical companies, right? This company sells this kind of bonkers product to these sorts of bonkers people. What would you recommend they do to optimize this, right? And I've gotten lots of comments from people on LinkedIn that are like, I laughed out loud when I read the one about, I don't know, the flaming chainsaw company or whatever. Like, <laughs> I would not deprive you of the joy of going through that particular examination. Okay. Uh, well, no, you I, won't be depriving me. You'll be helping me. So let's just make that clear. Well, hey, we're coming down to the time where we start to wrap things up. I have a question for you, though, personally, just a shift from HubSpot, nothing to do with HubSpot. So if you had a chance to have dinner with one historical figure, who would that person be? I, in the last year, have fallen deeply in love with Joan of Arc. Oh. I think this is a remarkable human being. She's like this 14-year-old girl who, when France has been at war with England for 90 years, shows up and says, hey, Charles, if you put me in charge of the armies, you'll have victory. And he, for whatever reason I cannot understand, was like, sure, let's try it. <laughs> and wow. it works, right? Yeah. I would love to just sit down with her and, I mean, I'd have to brush up on my medieval French, but <laughs> I, would, I would love to know what that experience was like. And were there moments when she was like, this is nuts. I can't do this. I'm going home. <laughs> like, right. What did I get myself into? Yeah. Like how on earth is that even possible? And right. she so often had to like, first she talked to like the local garrison was like, Hey, send me to the King so I can be in charge of the armies. And at first he's like, no way. And then he's like, you know what? Why not? And like, how does she do that? She must've been an incredibly persuasive person. Right. Every step along the way, people are like, nah, you're a 14 year old girl. You shouldn't be in charge of the armies. And she's like, oh yeah. And they're like, no, we'll let you try it. <laughs> like, That's uh, how right. do you do that? Like, I got to read up on Joan of Arc. Me too, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me it. too. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking she's in an arc. I have no idea. <laughs> but how did she meet her uh, her end? So that's an interesting thing. And this is, oh, you're getting me all fired up. I think people <laughs> tell this story wrong. Yes, she got captured by the British and she got burned at the stake. That is true. But okay. when she showed up at Prince Charles, like the Dauphin, right? The guy who's supposed to be king of France, but can't get crowned because the coronation city has been taken over by the British. She shows up and says, if you put me in charge, I will get you crowned. I will lead you to victory. We'll reclaim Reims. You'll become king. And he's like, sure, let's try it. And she delivered on that promise in like three months. She just like burns this trail through like 
deeply held British territory to the city of Reims. They surrender to her. Charles gets crowned and she says, I fulfilled my mission. I'm done. I'm going home. And like, great. And then some of her soldiers are like, hey, uh, the British still have Paris. How about we go take Paris? And she was like, wasn't part of the original plan, but I'll give it a try. And then that's when she got captured and burned at the stake. And so it's just like, she had this vision. She had this clear, I know what I can deliver to you and I'm going to deliver to you. And she did. And I think that is an incredible, like heroic story to be telling. But all anyone knows and, and all the movies ever portray are like, here's this girl who got tragically murdered. And it's just like, Yes, but it was such a good story before then. I think we don't do her justice by focusing on that. Yeah, we don't. No, that's true. Oh, gosh, poor Joan. Anyways, I want to take another shot. And one last thing before I end this. That night that you had the comedy stand-up of your life, do you have one of the jokes that you can remember that you want to share with us? Um, you really put them on the spot. Yeah, really yeah. put them on the spot. Well, I, I wrote that down because I found I'm fascinated. I love comedy. So, <laughs> Man, what was the best joke of that night? So honestly, I didn't intend for it to be a big joke, but when I've asked my wife like what she remembers about it now, because this was 2009, right? It's been a little while ago. But there was one part, I was telling one joke and I interrupted myself partway through and said, speaking of that, open parenthesis. And then I told this all other unrelated joke. Yeah. I got a laugh. And when the laugh, when the laugh died down, I said, close parenthesis, back to this other joke. And I got <laughs> another laugh. And for whatever reason, my wife really loved the parentheses joke, even though Whoa. that was just like a structural thing to help yeah. me keep my place. And how many years married now? In June, it will be 14. Wow. And she's still laughing? She actually, she's really funny. She makes okay. me laugh more than I make her laugh, which that's, I feel like is unfair and I need to step up my game. Well, look, at, we've been really happy to have you join our program, Kyle Jepson of HubSpot. Hey, anybody out there listening and thinking to themselves, this HubSpot sounds like a pretty good deal. You know, it's organic. It's been built from scratch. It's not plugged together platforms, which I really think is a big deal. Then you're an incredible luck because we're also a brain cell. Brain cell is also a HubSpot partner. So we can help you with full-scale white glove service. Our engineers manage integration services. And what we're doing now with HubSpot is we're integrating a number of ERP systems to HubSpot, which allows that 360 degree view that allows us also to float data up, whereby it's not just sales data or support data that you need something from your ERP system to give you true predictable data. So we would love to talk to you. If you want to talk to us, you can contact us at growth at braincell.com. That's growth as in G-R-O-W-T-H at braincell. Brain like in your head, but an S instead of a C dot com. Kyle, thanks for joining us here. And thank you, Sarah. You provide the the laughter in the background. Well, I guess I didn't, I wasn't that funny this time, but you know, maybe next time. Well, um, Kyle was here. Kyle was here. He took over the funny. Yeah, he did. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And what kind of places is that, Sarah? Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible. Yeah, and we've been very proud. It's been growing significantly. So subscribe, please, and pass it along to your friends, uh, your family, whoever. Thank you again, Kyle, for joining us. That was about HubSpot today. And this is Jim Ward. I'm CEO of BrainCell. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I also want to thank Divinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. 
Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow. Let's grow.